The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, the state of the tech trade. Those NVIDIA earnings looming large in just three hours' time. We'll discuss and debate what is really at stake for the much-troubled tech sector with the Investment Committee. Joining me for the hour today, Kerry Firestone, Steve Weiss, Joe Terranova, and Pete Najarian, the co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. Take you to the wall. I'll show you the markets 12 noon uh, in the east. We're trying to build uh, some gains together today. Dow's higher by about 40 or so. S&P 15 and a half, we'll call it 39.57. So, you know, but watching that 3,900 level for obvious reasons, let's see if we can work back towards 4,000 uh, as well. There's the NASDAQ, three quarters of 1%, really uh, the place to watch uh, every single day, uh, considering the fact of how much it has been down, 275 is the 10-year note. All right, Pete, so the NASDAQ, we'll call it down 30% for, from its highs. Yep. And while you were rewarded on the way up by the, the generals, the biggest players in the space, the Apples, the NVIDIAs, all of those other stocks, the Microsofts, the Metas, the Teslas, the Netflix and the Amazons, they're responsible for nearly 6%, 60%, excuse me, 60% of the year-to-date loss in the NASDAQ 100, and you've had enough. Why do I say that? Because we do have a news alert, if you will, a trade alert from Pete Najarian. He bought <laughs> NVIDIA in a trade that literally just went through moments ago. Uh, talk to me about that. As I said at the top, the earnings are looming large. It's down 44% year-to-date, and you said enough is enough. Why? Yeah, and you know what? Who knows what happens tonight with earnings, Scott? We don't know how that reaction is going to go, but I've been staring at this name, and I was talking to you about this just the other day about I've always got my list out, right? And the list uh, on the list, I had Goldman Sachs. We bought that about two months ago. Then all of a sudden, we were waiting on the list again, and it was Best Buy yesterday with the reaction that they had. And so today, I'm just looking at NVIDIA ahead of earnings, and, it, you know, it's a little bit dicey to do this. But when I look at the company, Scott, we all know all the backstory behind it. But it's not been this cheap ever before. When you look at the forward P.E. of 30 and it's actually trading presently somewhere, call it about 43 or whatever it might be right now. Mm-hmm. I think that 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 gives that that was part of the rationale that I had as I was looking at this name. Also, look, one year ago today, this stock was trading at almost exactly where it is right now. It had a big run up into November. It was up over 330, and then it's pulled all the way back to this 165 level. By the way, that was almost exactly the price uh, that I paid today. Was a little over 165. It was 165.02 or something like that. Maybe a, maybe a couple of pennies more. So that's why I, uh, you know, I looked at the, the, what was going into this earnings call. I looked at the valuation. I look at the free cash flow. I always like to look at these companies. And you know this, Scott. I mean, one of the biggest things that's been going on in the markets has been you've got a triple-digit, four-digit P.E. company, or not even that, you've got price to sales. Um, I want companies that are different than that. I want that fundamental backing, and that's what NVIDIA gives me right now. So I'm actually was, concerned, was considering at least 
getting rid of Intel, buying NVIDIA, but for now I'm going to hold on to Intel for a little while longer. We'll see. I know that a lot of what Intel brings is going to be coming in the next couple of years, which frustrates me, so I'm not sure how long I'll hold it, but I'm still holding Intel right, right now. So we are uh, going to watch all of this. Uh, Joe, it plays right into your hands here. Somebody who sold NVIDIA recently, and, and to me this is as good a referendum as you're going to get right now on the state of large cap and once loved and once high flying technology stocks. This was grouped in with the rest of those darlings and it's gotten hammered. So after the bell in overtime, you're going to find out what's really at stake. Without question. And I hope Pete is right, because as I've mentioned several times over the last couple of weeks, I have significant exposure to the semis. The Joe T ETF is long NVIDIA, so I'm long NVIDIA. Now, personally, I had AMD and NVIDIA. I was incurring too much of a loss, and I made a decision to get out of NVIDIA because they hadn't reported earnings just yet. AMD did. We were past that moment. Uh, there are challenges for NVIDIA as it relates to, to gaming in itself, but I think it's a very critical earnings report that we're going to get here after the bell, and I think it's really going to dictate a lot of the market's ability, in particular the NASDAQ, to kind of uh, have this bottoming process and maybe begin to recapture some losses or not. So I hope Pete's right, but it is absolutely without question uh, one of the most critical earnings reports that we have gotten for the NASDAQ in the last several weeks. Gutsy, gutsy, gutsy move by Pete. Can't overstate that. Just given the environment, carry that we are in, and a stock that's been nearly cut in half still has a $400 billion market cap, and it does trade at around 40 or 42 times earnings forward. So it's come down a lot. Some might suggest that it's still expensive. And Kerry, it does raise the issue of where we are in general in the NASDAQ. Pete saw a line in the sand. He's like, all right, this stock's come down enough. I'm, I may not get it exactly at the bottom, but I want to talk about the bottom trying to find out if we're close to a bottom, which I asked Wharton Professor Jeremy Siegel about yesterday. Here's what he told me in overtime for the NASDAQ specifically. This is absolutely not a 2000 situation. Or some people say, oh my God, we all know NASDAQ went down 80%. So it's down 32%. It may have another five, six, 7%. It's still an over 20 PE based on next 12 months while every other market actually in the world is in the teens right now all right carrie so i want your opinion of that with the context of you trimmed apple it's been four years since you did that yeah now you bought more microsoft so it's not like you're running from the space entirely but take me through the thought process of process of why trim apple why buy more microsoft so Apple is selling at a 30% premium to the market. And the last time we bought it was in March of 2020 at the end of the decline, and it was selling for a multiple of about 14. So it's had an enormous run since then. It's a consumer-based stock, remember, and the consumer is where there can be weakness. We saw it at Target, and we may be seeing it in other retailers and even with Amazon. So it's China, very centric big market there. And we thought it's been a great run. And let's just cut some of the Apple position and put it into Microsoft, where we are underweight and we're at we're now at equal weight. Microsoft, we think, is more resilient to a recession. 
enterprise software, even gaming, uh, are areas that they spend uh, a lot of their attention and have invested heavily in uh, cloud storage. We think they'll manage through a recession better with the type of headwinds that, that we'll see and that Apple will face with a higher degree of certainty than we believe Microsoft. So that was, that was the, the reason for the trade. Uh, in terms of what Jeremy said, I just want to comment that, um, again, you know, we can't pick the market. Um, I've lost my crystal ball. What we do know is the following, that there are very few times in history where we have as much of a range between the average high and low of the day. So if you look over the last two months, it's been 180 basis points or almost 2% per day. We traded from the high to the low during, during each of the last uh, two months. And you go back through the last 20 plus years, that's happened nine times. And in six of those periods, the market six months later is higher. Three, three times, a third of the time, it's lower. Higher by 10%, lower by 7% in those incidents. Uh, and that's similar for the 12 months. And there's a chart that we, we put together for that. So while we don't know where the bottom is, we know we're oversold in many cases. This could continue longer. But I, I think that what Pete did, which is putting his toe in, buying a little NVIDIA, and maybe a little expensive still, we think it's a little high. But, but I think the odds might be on his side. We're going to see. I mean, as I said, it's a gutsy move to make uh, into a number in this environment, in, an environment in which fund strats Mark Newton says the Qs might bottom out versus the SPY, uh, the Spiders S&P, uh, in early June. So now to the always upbeat and happy-go-lucky Steve Weiss for his take on the markets. He's waited patiently, and I'm, I'm sure he's thought of something really clever to say about all this because you have been the most negative and, frankly, the most right uh, on the market for the balance of the, the last six months. So what about this question as to whether these stocks have come down enough? We told you eight stocks account for nearly 60% of the NASDAQ's decline. Look, I, uh, I'll say a couple of things. Number one, 20 PE now coming down significantly is immaterial because we don't know where the earnings are going. So for all we know, we could look back this moment in time as we, as we take the current earnings estimates and mark them to market and be at a 30 PE. We just don't know. Second of all, it's always flawed, and it's the most flawed basis you could use to say the stocks come down 40%. I got to get involved now. It, it, I don't understand it. Where have earnings come? Where are earnings going? Keep in mind that you're in an unbelievable environment right now that we've never seen. So using last year or the year before as the benchmark for where the stock was is... You know, I just think it, it's wrong because you're in a tightening environment. So while beginnings and endings of markets are always the same, they don't change, okay? It changes in the middle. So there's no playbook. It every time is different. We've got global tightening. We're at the end of a free money policy globally that's been around since 2008. And guess what? We have a real touchable black swan event, and that's Putin. What's he going to do? So if he uses chemical weapons or nukes, then it's a world war. Every general would tell you that. I've listened to a lot of them talk, whether it's the former Supreme Commander of NATO or retired Joint Chiefs of Staff. Talk to any of them. So those are the issues. Look. Oh, if that's the happy-go-lucky, Weiss, where's the dower one? Hold, hold on. <laughs> it, I mean, you know, Scott, I'm not, uh, Scott, 
Scott, if you want to revise laughing, go to somebody else. I'm going to give you reality and oh, okay. how I'm looking at okay. it. So let me say oh, this. Okay. Let me say this. Let me say this. Go ahead. Okay, let me, say, let me finish. So, I'm letting you finish. So if you, if you go to a surgeon, okay, odds are generally the surgeon's going to say, hey, we got to operate. If you go to somebody who's a long-only stock picker, they're going to say, I want you to invest here. The bottom's near. I can't pick the bottom. I don't know. Feels like it's getting closer, but I don't know. So I'd say stop picking data points to, uh, to justify your positioning, okay? And step back, take a look at the big picture. If it were easy to pick data points and say, now it's all clear, then everybody would be up 100% every year. It's just not that easy. And the big picture is still troubling. The big picture is a recession. The big pressure... A big picture is rates pressuring earnings. The big picture is inflation continuing to crush margins. Okay, so are, so are, that's why I'm on the sidelines. I'd much rather be invested, frankly. Well, I mean, I, I'm not. I don't care whether you're in, invested or not. But it sounds to me like you're you're throwing shade all over the reasons why Pete bought Nvidia. Pete can defend <laughs> himself. I'll let him do that right now. Well, I'll tell you the trade I would have done. The trade I would have done is I would have. Had I would have looked for less upside and bought some of the other semis that aren't trading at 45 times earnings because if they miss, that stuff gets crushed, right? But if you buy something else, whether whether it's a Skyworks or a Corvo, okay, that's also been crushed and trading at 10 times earnings, you'll participate to the upside or you can just buy the SMH. But buying NVIDIA, yeah, I mean, look, nobody knows. So you're flying blind. Hopefully Pete took some protection on it. Ben, hopefully he does well. I wish him the, bay, the best on it. But it's just not a trade I would ever do, get in front of earnings in this environment. I hate you, Pete, but I hope you do well. <laughs> yeah, I don't hate well, Pete. I, I know. Fantastic. I enjoy his cackling. So, I so find it pretty so amusing. So respond, Pete. So respond. I mean, because I felt like Scott, that was a uh, whole thing of throwing shade at the reason why you bought NVIDIA. Right. And, and uh, I understand what Steve's saying, but I think you also have to understand NVIDIA for a long period of time. We, we've talked about where it trades and what its valuations were, and it was extremely high. Right. And if you go back not too long ago with AMD's earnings, take a look at what those earnings really looked like and what the initial reaction was to those earnings. So I'm, I'm not saying they're going to do exactly the same thing. But when you look at data centers and that's a big uh, engine that we're looking at for NVIDIA, they've got graphic chips. They do it all basically. Right. Uh, we talk about we talk about the EV space. Well, there's somebody who's very, very involved in that space as well when it comes to automobiles. So when you look at NVIDIA, all of what it offers, I think it's taken a lot of pain. I understand what Steve's saying, but this was not bought just because this stock was a $330 stock in November. That's not why I bought it. I bought it because I think fundamentally, when I look at what those free cash flows have been and what I think they will be going forward, Yes, maybe they pull in a little bit. Yes, maybe some of the some of the numbers aren't exactly what everything we're looking for. But I think with it, that's why I've been so selective in this environment. I think we heard Lee Cooperman talking about exactly that. You've got to be selective. Well, I have been selective. I bought so far this year Goldman Sachs, Best Buy, and now NVIDIA. I look at all three of those as unbelievable companies that have great balance sheets. They've got great fundamentals. And I think they can continue to have great fundamentals going into the future. And now I'm buying it at a dramatic discount. Now, I'm not saying I bought the bottom, 
but I still feel like I'm getting a pretty good deal right now on NVIDIA. And by the way, and I didn't get a chance to mention this, I apologize, I did sell upside calls against it. Look at the implied volatility. I talk about this all the time. Going into earnings, it's absolutely in the stratosphere. I'm selling calls that are out next month that are $10 above where the stock is right now, and I'm getting nearly $10 for those calls. So that's a trade that I like. It gives me protection to the downside by $10. There's a lot of reasons why I like the trade. And uh, potentially, I could be in NVIDIA for a fairly long time. I mean, it's, typically, it's typical of your general strategy and most of the things you do in, in, the, in yep. the, the calls that you have uh, against it and, and things like that. I mean, it, this is not new in the yes. way you've talked about certain things. So Weiss, as right. I said, and I'll give you a chance to respond. I mean, the NASDAQ is down, as I said, 30%. Is your argument that... You think it's going down a lot more. So trying to, I mean, NVIDIA is down a lot. It's been, it's been nearly cut in half. If the NASDAQ itself is close to a bottom, don't you think that NVIDIA and some of these other mega cap stocks would be as well? So why wouldn't it be a good move if you think, like maybe Pete does, that the worst of the selling in tech, especially big tech, is over? Um. I don't know that it, that it's over, frankly. Well, nobody uh, I, knows. As I said, the backdrop. Right, exactly. So why would I step in? I've said this repeatedly. I don't want to catch the next 10% upside, downside or the next 20% downside. And NVIDIA, if they miss, I'm glad Pete does have protection, he can go down a lot more than that. You could have had the same conversation on NVIDIA at 200. I mean, why is 42 times or whatever this year the, the line in the sand? That's ludicrous. At the end of the day, competition will catch up. At the end of the day, their markets will be mature. I think it's a great company. I think they've got great products, but they don't operate in a vacuum. And when you have earnings multiples like that, you don't need a big miss to bring it back into reality. So look, here's what I'd say. Um, there are some things you can buy, but I just rather wait like until what? the dust clears a little what, bit more. What are the things that you well, can buy? I'd rather I'd, I'd rather wait till the Fed, I'd rather wait until the Fed minutes come out. I'd rather wait to see what the Fed's going to do at the next meeting. They've tightened 50 bips one time. Inflation is still running away. I do believe we're going to a recession. You don't want to own a stock in a recession. Do you know how many companies when when bust in 2000? where people were buying them all the way down, say, the stock was 1,000, now I'm buying it at 500, now I'm buying it at 400, now I'm buying it at 50. And guess what? You got a tin cup out because it went belly up. So you got to be very selective, absolutely. I do think you'll get better valuations and better opportunities to put capital to work. Right now, it's still a treacherous market. Okay, let's take a break. Our halftime headliner coming up, he just raised his recession odds. He cut his outlook for earnings. He lowered his target for the S&P. He is Ed Yardeni. He tells us what he is seeing right now in this market. We're back in just two minutes. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. 
Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. All right, there's your market picture. Dow's gone negative by a little more than 19 points. S&P 500 hanging on to positive territory, but those gains are evaporating somewhat quickly, uh, up eight still. And the Nasdaq is trying to hang on to its gains as well. Two-thirds of 1% there, 276. I always like to tell you what the yield on the 10-year note is. Um, all right, let's welcome in Ed Yardeni. He is the president of Yardeni Research. Now, Ed, you got to help me out here because I'm a little confused. Sure. Now, when we talked the other day, and maybe it was late last week, I thought you were making the case of why people were too negative and that why we weren't going to have a recession and why you were more positive than most. And then today I find out that you lower your estimates for earnings, sure. which you said were going to hold up, and then you lowered your target for the S&P 500 to uh, your, your range to 38.25 to 43.35 from 42 to 4,800. Why? Well, I'm, I'm really looking at uh, this year and next year. I think there's a lot of pessimism about the next couple of years. And, and I, I'm thinking that uh, we're going to see that the economy uh, uh, hangs in there. I, I did raise my outlook for a recession from 30 percent to 40 percent. Uh, it's not the most likely scenario yet. Uh, but I do think that uh, looking into next year, we're still going to make a new high in the S&P 500. But I'm realistic here. The reality is the economic numbers that we've been getting have been uh, weak. Uh, the housing numbers were extremely weak yesterday. This morning's durable goods were actually pretty good. But the business surveys for New York and Richmond and Philadelphia are looking very weak for May, which means we're going to probably get a very weak uh, purchasing managers uh, index. Let me ask you this. Why isn't a recession your, your, your base case scenario at this point? Well, I still uh, look at the consumer and I see that the uh, labor markets uh, continue to be very strong. Uh, and in addition, uh, consumers uh, have accumulated about $2 trillion in excess savings over the past two years. And uh, we are actually now starting to see in, in April data, M2 come down and demand deposits coming down. So that does suggest that they're dipping into some of this excess liquidity to keep spending. Uh, and then uh, I look at the business sector and I'm encouraged by today's uh, non-defense capital goods orders. They were up at a record high. I think companies are going to do what we've discussed before, and that is continue to spend on equipment, particularly on technology, to increase the productivity of their workforce, which is really what uh, is my, my longer-term underlying optimism is all about. I think uh, some of the, uh, the really bearish people are, are looking for this situation to continue well into next year, and I think what they're missing here is that productivity will come in and lower the, uh, the help to lower inflation. It's interesting that you mentioned the, the money supply. It's a conversation that I had as well yesterday with sure. Jeremy Siegel, and I'm not sure if you listened to it uh, or I not. That. But he's growing concerned about the amount of liquidity coming out of the system at the same time that the Fed is doing what it is doing, at the same right. time that the economy appears to be weakening. I want you to listen to what he said, and I'd love Absolutely. your reaction to it on the yeah. other side. I look at the money supply as a very important indicator. We had uh, at, at one o'clock announcement today 
the second largest monthly decline in the money supply in more than 60 years. I'm beginning to get a bit concerned about overreaction. And maybe some of the weakness we see in the economy is because, uh, you know, the, the Fed is withdrawing liquidity perhaps a bit too quickly. I'm curious what you think about that and, and put the context behind it, too. You literally just heard from Professor Jeremy Siegel, one of, if not the loudest person on this network and most consistent for the last many weeks that the Fed needed to tighten more, that inflation was way out of control, much more than people thought. The Fed needed to be even more aggressive. And now it, it feels like an about face from Professor Siegel himself, who's seen a million of these cycles before and now worries that the Fed's going to overdo it because he looks at the money supply, the same thing that you just did. Yeah, I, I think uh, he makes a very good point. And uh, look, there are a lot of uh, moving parts here, and uh, increasingly they are pointing in, into a, a recession. Uh, and so that's why I raised my recession odds. But with the rest of the money supply, uh, I would point out that uh, M2 is about $3 trillion above its pre-pandemic trend. Uh, so in other words, there still is a tremendous amount of liquidity left over from the past couple of years. And so you have to put that into the context of this uh, April drop in uh, M2, yeah, it was it was a big drop, but uh, put that in the context of the huge increase we've had over the past two years. Uh, I think one of your panelists pointed out, uh, it might have been uh, Steve, that uh, we we clearly are living in an environment that's uh, unusual in many many ways and hasn't uh, occurred in in a long time, and that's the tightening environment. But that's after an extraordinarily easy environment, and I think there's a tremendous amount of liquidity still in the system. A lot of corporations uh, refinanced their debts at record uh, low interest rates over the past two years. If it wasn't for all that, I would be concerned about a more traditional recession. I would make that the most likely scenario. Uh, but uh, if you'll allow me, I'm going to watch these numbers as they unfold. And uh, I, 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 leave, I, I leave myself uh, open to the, uh, lowering my numbers or raising my numbers, okay. as I think all of us are. All right. I mean, that's fair. Willing to give you the benefit of the doubt there. You deserve Thank it. Thank you. Uh, you. You certainly deserve it. Uh, Joe, you have a question for Ed? I do. Ed, great to see you. So clearly we have inflation just today. You have natural gas prices above $9. We haven't seen that since before the great financial crisis. You have a deceleration, obviously, in growth. We keep talking about what the economic climate is going to be, recessionary or not. I'm more concerned with the word you used than the environment, the environment for investors. Ed, tell me, is this stagflation is that exactly right now the environment that we're in? And if, yeah. in fact, it is, what does that mean for investors? Uh, Joe, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's clearly stagflation, uh, stagflation being high inflation and uh, very little, if any, growth. Uh, as a matter of fact, the uh, Atlanta Fed uh, came out today with their latest estimate for the second uh, quarter, for the second quarter, and uh, now it's 1.8 percent, down from 2.4 percent, and that was because of the housing numbers uh, that were so uh, weak. Uh, over the past uh, couple, couple of days. Uh, they may up, up that after the durable goods orders number, but it is stagflation. Question is whether it's the 1970s all over again. It sure, certainly feels like that right now, but I think uh, underneath it all, companies are going to respond to labor shortages by continuing to spend on equipment and technology to increase productivity. I know that's uh, too optimistic for most people right now and uh, kind of focusing on today's numbers. Uh, but I think we'll get out of this a lot faster uh, than anything that 
comparable to what happened in the 1970s. And by the way, productivity collapsed. Because it just seems almost impossible when, when in one hand you say, yes, it's stagflation. And on the other hand, oh, but we're going to hit new highs in the S&P next year. Some well, it's, a, it's, a, matter of, it's a matter of timing. It's a matter of timing, Gus, uh, Scott. I mean, clearly right now, it looks like the 1970s. Right now, it looks like uh, increasing odds of a recession. Uh, but uh, I, I do want to maintain uh, an optimistic uh, outlook based on the productivity story, which I think is a, is a solid story. Okay. Fair enough. We will continue to speak with you as well. Ed, thank, thank you. you for your time as always. That's Ed Yardeni, the president of Yardeni Research. Hey, check out this mystery chart. It's down more than 20% this year. One firm says now's the time to buy it. And, and so does one of our committee members. We're going to reveal the name and the trade. It is our call of the day. We're back right after this. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to the Halftime Report. I'm Contessa Brewer. Here's our CNBC News update this hour. President Biden addressed the nation last night over the mass shooting that took place in Uvalde, Texas. The president was first briefed on that matter when he was returning from Asia on Air Force One. Biden has since called Texas Governor Abbott and plans to make a trip to Uvalde in the coming days. Lawmakers from both sides of the aisle are reacting to the shooting. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is calling for bipartisan support to create a bill to tighten gun control laws. I refuse to believe that we cannot find a path forward. Make no mistake about it. If we can't find a, a good, strong bill that has bipartisan support, we will continue to pursue this issue on our own. We have no choice. It's too important. Lives are at stake. The death toll from that shooting has risen to 21 people. The 18-year-old gunman killed 19 young students and two teachers before being killed in a firefight with law enforcement. More than a dozen others remain in the hospital due to injuries from the gunfire. What a tragic story. Will we continue to follow here, Scott? Contessa, thank you. Mm -hmm. That's Contessa Brewer. All right, let's talk now about our call of the day. It is Charles Schwab, reiterated overweight at J.P. Morgan, the firm saying sometimes bad is good for Schwab. Carrie, we bring it up because you added to that stock. Why now? Well, the stock's down 30% from its peak last year, and the fear is that clients of Schwab will require higher 
interest rates on their deposits, which, which of course will be true. Money market funds, as we know, have paid nothing and checking accounts nothing. And so, yes, Schwab will have to pay more. But on the other side, and much more important, is their entire asset base on which they will get higher interest rates on short-term money that they have out. And that is much more powerful than the negatives on client cash sorting. And if you take the most punitive case for the client sorting side and you add in higher interest rates, 50% increase in EPS for 2023. And that means that Schwab trades for 13 times next year's earnings, which we think is very attractive. And that's the lowest multiple it's traded for in 10 years. So that's why we added to the position. Okay. Another one is Oppenheimer upgraded the CME group to outperform price target to 223. You own that too. You bet. And we own that. Um, you know, it was a, a great stock, and then it's fallen with the market, um, as, as everything has. They have exchanges on every type of asset class, whether it's uh, metals, oil, commodities, stocks, Bitcoin, etc. And we would think that over the next year or two, there's going to continue to be volatility in markets. And that plays for CME, and that increases their earnings per share. So yes, we think it's it's uh, an attractive stock right here, and uh, we think over the next 12 months, it will beat the market. Okay. And then finally, SockGen upgraded J.P. Morgan to a buy. I mean, that seems to be uh, all the rage, Joe, these days, right? Get more positive about the banks, certainly this week. Bank stocks start to perform well. Now the analysts come out and say, oh, they're great. Jamie Dimon had the comments, and you bought the stock. I did, and, I, and happy to do so. I also own... Morgan Stanley of Bank of America, but I, I like the confidence that was exhibited uh, from, from Jamie Dimon on a valuation perspective. It's right there with, with Bank of America, uh, and it's a stock that I think uh, you can define your risk on the downside and be comfortable knowing that management, based on their commentary over the last couple of days, has a strong playbook uh, that they'll be utilizing if we begin to see a deterioration in the economy and we begin to see some credit losses unfold. I think J.P. Morgan will be best able to handle those types of losses. Okay. Wendy's on pace for its biggest gain in about a year. Shares of Kohl's are soaring as well. Big news on both names. We're following the money. We'll do it next. Take a look at shares of Wendy's. They are rallying after longtime shareholder Tryon Fund Management said it was exploring strategic options. Our Leslie Picker is following the money. A lot of it. What did you say? Activism, potential deal news today? Yeah, it yeah, just it seems is, like right? the kind of Wednesday it is today. All right, tell but me first about Wendy's. Yeah, if you feel like you've seen this movie before, you, you kind of have in a different way. A new filing revealing that Tryon advised the Wendy's board that it intends to seek participating either alone or with third parties in a potential transaction. Tryon says it could include a, an acquisition or tender offer, and the firm says it has retained financial, legal, and other advisors to help them evaluate a potential transaction. Tryon holds nearly 12% of Wendy's and three board seats, including one occupied by Nelson Peltz, who serves as chair. Peltz holds another 5%, and Tryon's president, Peter May, owns another two and a half. Wendy said in a statement, quote, consistent with its fiduciary duties, the board will carefully review any proposal submitted by Tryon Partners. Tryon first invested in Wendy's 17 years ago when the firm was first founded and orchestrated a merger between Wendy's and parent company of Arby's in 2008. Ultimately, Arby's was sold to private equity firm Rourke Capital. Wendy's shares down 32 percent this year through yesterday, although up about 10 percent on the prospect of a sale today.
The other one I'm looking at that, that I was alluding to, and I know you were <laughs> as well, is uh, Kohl's. Yes. Stock's up near 16%. It is. The expectation today is that buyers are ready to submit lower bids, mm-hmm. which is surprising to me that the stock is up as much as it is on the prospect of lower bids from once uh, from what was once thought. But I don't know. You, more, you know more than me. Talk, yes. Tell me. So the news in the market that has the stock jumping today is the prospect of lower bids is better than no bid at no, all, no bid. which is what okay. had previously been communicated to the market uh, by various reports historically. So the prospect of the deal still being on, even at a lower price, has people excited. Now, $41.90 per share, still about $20 below where there are kind of rumors of bids taking place, which would still be lower than the $64 a share that the starboard-backed Acacia uh, Research put forth bids previously. Of mm. course, the new market information, the earnings, the executives leaving, all of that that took place last week. It's not surprising that you'd see lower bids, uh, but I have sources telling me, yes, this process is still ongoing. There is no definitive timeline for those bids to be submitted, but they're expecting something to, to shape up within the next few weeks. So the starboard thing, hence the 52-week high of $64 and change. Yes, exactly. And so that's why you're still seeing a very large spread. If you're playing this as an arbitrage trader, yeah. you see a very large spread here, which would indicate, okay, maybe some hesitancy about the prospect of a deal taking place at even a, a few dollars below where they bid it. Um, it's, they're kind of in wait-and-see mode. Sure, yeah. I mean, the market environment's tough. It is. And the retail environment's tough, too. Thank you. That's Leslie Picker following the money, as always. Coming up, shares of Dick's Sporting Goods. They're higher today despite cutting the outlook for the year. Steve Weiss owns it, I think. We'll talk about that next. Plus, we are celebrating Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month featuring some of our CNBC teammates and contributors. Here is Surat Sethi, Douglas C. Lane, and Associates Managing Partner. When I moved from India at 12, it was a very new world for me. And as I slowly assimilated, I came to understand that it was important to understand other people's views, cultures, but yet also maintain your own. In today's environment, it's very important to make sure that you keep your identity. Uh, You don't have to always assimilate into everything, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to disagree. It means that you can be your own person, have your own ideas. Welcome back. Shares of Dick's Sporting Goods on pace for their best day since August of 2021. That is despite cutting its full year outlook. Steve Weiss, I go to you. Uh, it was an interesting report. The stock was down and then it um, it turned around. What do you make of this? And I, I, I said in the tease that you own the stock. You actually got stopped out of it, I think, today. Is that is that right? No, no, not today. Not I got today. stopped okay. out almost as soon as I put the trade on. Oh, okay, um, okay. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. so, so I had a small loss, but got stopped out far above where the stock is now. Look, there was no secret they can cut earnings. Uh, my surprise, frankly, has got down to the depths that it did, and the pre-market, I believe, was trading below sixty. It's a cheap stock, but name a retailer really that isn't a cheap stock at this point. I think there'll be further earnings uh, guides down. So, so I'm not getting involved. They do have sort of a unique business in that their online presence is monstrous. As you pointed out, while the sales were down, they're, coming, they're down slightly off doubling in the prior quarter. So I like it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I like the offering. But I think the consumer is under significant pressure. So I'm not, I'm not getting involved. I mean, they, so that, this is a tough one um, to, to go through for, yep. in, in, for the following reason. 
they didn't exactly guide down. I mean, they're, they're, they didn't really guide down. Here, they were conservative, and they, they said as much, just in case things turned sour in their words. Let, let me read you a quote. But I hear what you're saying, and that's how the market initially took it until the call where you got the comments right. that said, quote, we believe it's appropriate to be cautious and are therefore lowering our outlook for the year. To be clear, we expect our performance will continue to meaningfully exceed 2019 levels. We are not seeing any meaningful trends that are different from what we saw in Q1. So, yes, technically, did they guide down? Big picture, maybe not. Maybe the story doesn't seem to be as bad uh, or isn't as bad as it, would, it was once seemed to be. That's why the stock has turned around, Steve. Yeah, I mean, look, they kept the lower end of their range, which was 1170. Keep in mind, the range had come down there originally around 14 bucks, which made it exceedingly cheap when the stock was 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 only 100 and went to 140. But the lower end of the range comes down to 910, I think. So the midpoint, pick the midpoint and say 10 bucks, be conservative. It's a cheap stock. It's seven times earnings for the leading player in the category. But again, you know, I. I don't think it stops here in terms of earnings revisions. So that's why I'm not getting involved. Yeah. Um, Courtney Reagan, by the way, uh, you know, she's the one who flagged uh, earlier today that the turn in the stock coming on those exact comments. I'm not trying to explain away uh, a guide down or anything like that. I'm just telling you exactly what happened on the call that she flagged uh, literally the moment that the comments were made and then the stock turned around. Joe, I want to talk to you about Lululemon. They report next week. You're not waiting. You bought the stock back today. Interesting. Why? I've traded around the stock for the better part of the last year. I had initiated a position back in February at 313, sold a little in April up at 388, then got out of the rest uh, around 290 just a couple of weeks ago. Back into the stock because I'm looking at all these retail earnings and I'm seeing that there is rightful negativity and there there seems to be the absence of a concurrent response with that. So So maybe a lot of the bad news the expectation on a consumer that is going to begin to retrench in terms of their spending behavior. Maybe that's priced into these names. I have no retail exposure right now. I wanted to begin to capture some retail exposure. And I look towards Lululemon, which I think on a valuation basis is reasonable, uh, given the growth that it, uh, that, that it gives to uh, shareholders. And I view it as best in breed just from a brand perspective. So coming days, Macy's Gap, Costco, Dollar General, more to unfold in retail. But I wanted some exposure, and Lulu's the way for me to get it. I mean, we had this debate yesterday with Leesman, and um, you know, maybe he's right and others are too, who say maybe the consumer isn't going to retrench. The consumers just change the, the behavior and the way that they're shopping. They're not necessarily going to retrench. And, and frankly, maybe they're not even as weak now as some would like to believe. I raised that issue uh, yesterday, and maybe, Joe, it's just flat wrong. Maybe it is, but I don't know, Scott. I look at the price of oil, I look at the price of natural gas, and it is stubbornly high. And if it continues to move high, I don't see how consumer behavior can't respond to that. Yeah. Well, we will see. Up next, unusual activity with that man right in the lower right, Pete Najarian, when we come back. I teed you up, Pete. Unusual activity. What do you have for us? All right, I'm going to start off in the EV space. We're going to give you Lucid. Now, that one was pretty interesting. It's trading right around $17, Scott. And we've got a buyer of the 18 and a half calls that expire a week and a half from now. They're the June 3rd. So 
5,500 of those were bought. They were paying between 55 cents and 60 cents for those options. I thought that was pretty intriguing. But actually, Scott, we had another one, and I actually removed it, but I'm going to talk about it real quick. Tesla, because Tesla was trading underneath 640 at the time. We had a buyer of the 650 calls, the May 27, 650 calls, 10,000 of those. The reason I took it off was stock already, if you look at it right now, is already well above that level. Don't want people chasing something that's moved as fast as it has. But that stock, the second those calls were being bought, those 10,000 calls, before you could even blink, it was 650, then 660. So gives you a little bit of an idea of the appetite right now in the EV space. My last one is Valet. Now, this one was a $21 plus stock not too terribly long ago. Now it's trading right around 17, 1740, somewhere in that range. And we had a buyer today of 5,000 of the July 19 calls in there. Those were also going for a little bit over 50 cents for those options. I am in the Valet, I am in the Lucid. I did not get managed to get into those Tesla calls. I loved seeing those, but I just, they moved so fast I couldn't buy them. I didn't want to pay up. But interesting to see those buyers today. Yeah, I'm looking at, I mean, Tesla's at 658. Um, prior yeah. close was 628. So it's a 5% move or, or thereabouts today, about 30 bucks. And I wonder if yep. it's moving on as the prospects or as the market's thinking about the prospects of a, a potential Twitter deal. Uh, becoming more dim. Yep. You know, I don't know, but it's something I, worth certainly following on a day, by the way, where Twitter's having its shareholder meeting. We'll do final trades next. Well, we set the stage for you at the top of the hour today on what is at stake at four o'clock today in overtime. NVIDIA earnings. Given everything that's gone on with the NASDAQ, especially mega cap tech, you need to tune in. You need to see the numbers. Then you need to see the number that matters more than anything. And that's the stock move, which we'll have for you in real time. Josh Brown is going to be with us as well. It's the Twitter shareholder meeting today, too. Casey Newton, Alex Kantiewicz, those guys back with me as well. So we'll react to that. You've got Tesla on the move, as we just said, with Pete. So we've got a lot to cover in overtime. I'll look forward to seeing you in about three hours. Let's do final trades. Carrie Firestone. Charter Communications. So Charter is a straight, pure cable company. They're not in the streaming wars. They're not doing a lot of programming. It's come down 40%. We think it's attractive right here. All right, good stuff. Steve Weiss. Yeah, I would say short the 10-year. You can short the TLT and get a blend of it because I think the Fed minutes are going to be as hawkish as what Powell's speeches were early on in the other Fed governors, and they'll come out today. Okay, they'll yeah. come out today at about 2 o'clock. Yeah, about an hour from now. Uh, thanks for pointing that out, too. Uh, Joe. T. Rowe Price bought it the other day. All right, and finally, Pete. I'm going to give you City. I like all these banks, mm. but I think City right now is the most upside. All right, good stuff. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.